an oldie but a goodie, Song of Consecration. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, we have come this morning in worship of your Son, Jesus. We've come to have your word expounded to us, that our lives might be brought into line with your holy will for us. Uh, Father, this morning we will talk about a... uh, Uh, a very sensitive topic, and I pray that you would help me as I seek to convey the truth of your word and help each one of us to have open hearts to receive from you what you want us to receive, that you might mold us and make us and shape us after your will and in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to that end, we open our hearts to you and to your word now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, if you haven't been with us this summer, uh, we've been tackling a, uh, a, a series of messages uh, from the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom that God has given to us, 31 chapters uh, right after the Psalms, and uh, so very practical in the wisdom that is uh, presented to us in, in how to live skillfully how to live successfully in life. And so uh, all of these different proverbs and uh, and areas of wisdom are used by a a father, like talking to his son, talking to a crown prince who is in waiting, preparing him, and, and for all of us, preparing us to live wisely. And so we've been going over the last uh, five weeks, this will be week six, on, um, on different aspects uh, that have been presented to us uh, through the sage in the book of Proverbs. And uh, today we want to tackle um, an interesting one. You see, we live in a sex-crazed society. Uh, we live uh, in, in a society that, in which uh, sex is pervasive and, and it's in our face wherever we turn. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me in my short life, well, kind of short life, um, uh, to see the change from when I was a kid growing up to now, to see the exposure that sexuality has had in our society compared to what it had before. It has increased exponentially. Um, for example, in the 1950s, in some of the programs that uh, you may have seen, uh, you weren't allowed, the, the censors would not allow to see a couple in a bed. In fact, when they finally got to that, it was in the 1960s, and uh, I, think, I think it was Herman Munster. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Some of you go, who's Herman Munster? Well, I, if I have to describe it to you, I'm sorry. I can't. But they would be in single beds. That's, that's how, how uh, this was censored. Uh, um, it's interesting to watch this over time. If, if there were anything that was a little racy, if there was anything with nudity in it, it would come late, late at night when kids wouldn't be up. 
Um, and now, we find this stuff in the afternoon. We find it in the early evening on TVs, movies, music, feature sexuality as a theme. But they do it frequently and without any uh, concern for morality or God's standard of morality. And the internet has become an, an incredible source uh, and, and purveyor of pornography and sexually explicit content of every kind of description with every kind of person, including child pornography. In fact, uh, psych- Psychology Today reported that porn sites attract more visitors than Amazon, Netflix, and uh, Twitter combined. 30% of internet content is porn. 88% of porn contains violence against women. 20% of mobile device searches are for pornography. 56% of those who have, divo- have been divorced uh, would say that the, at least one of those spouses was involved or had an obsession with pornography. It's killing us. Advertisers use sex to sell almost everything. Uh, Psychology Today says, sex in advertising sells. It's one of the strongest and most uh, effective marketing tools. We are inundated with this stuff, even in our, even in our uh, educational system. The desire of our, our uh, uh, politicians is to um, do teaching on human sexuality. The trouble is the kind of teaching they want to do does not square with the Word of God. And in fact, they want to take from the parents the right to train their children and present, uh, have the, the government, if you will, teach our children about sec, uh, sexuality from their standpoint. Um, uh, I think it's, it's incredible that one, one of the, I think one of the most telling statements in, in our society is this. Um, the internet business of Ashley Madison. It's a, an online service. It's a dating service. But it's one with a twist. Um, it, it's social networking. And here is their motto. Life is short. Have an affair. That's the motto. I mean, it's so blatant. It, it, it's not, it's not uh, cloaked in any way. It, it's just held out there. And 55 million people are hooked up to that uh, business. How utterly blatant and destructive, actively promoting infidelity among married people. We'll help you hook up with somebody, uh, another married person, um, so that you can have this little tryst on the side. To me, it's absolutely incredible. Now, here's the thing. God is not silent on the topic of sexuality. Throughout the Bible, uh, but, but talking here in the book of Proverbs, it's very interesting to me uh, that um, we see in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 2, there are about four verses on this. In chapter 5, the whole chapter is committed to talking about sexuality and purity. In chapter 6, from verses 20 to 35, he's hitting that topic. On chapter 7, the whole chapter is devoted to that. Now, it's interesting to me that that God has taken such an interest in this that he has put so much information in this little book um, in in a compact kind of way um, to show us 
to warn us, to teach us and instruct us about this important element. See, God is the one who has created sexuality. He had purpose and meaning. And he placed guidelines upon it for how and why it should be used. Now, as we've been studying Proverbs, uh, we said that it's ancient wisdom for successful living. And this, it's not like this is new because he's dealing with this 3,000 years ago. It's just that in today's society and culture, it is so much more in your face and blatantly presented. See, um, sex is a topic that is absolutely germane to the 21st century. I, I said we, we're dealing with this all of the time. It's in our face all of the time. And the Bible speaks to this issue. And if you want to live skillfully, if you want to live wisely, if you want to live successfully, we need to heed what God says. And uh, there's so much space given to this. And because it's 3,000 years old, uh, some of these come to us with a different kind of societal basis for us. So I just want to make something clear as we delve into this a little bit too, Um, that that uh, it's spoken mostly of a parent's to a son. Um, but this is not to say that this doesn't apply to women, because it absolutely does. In, and often in, in these passages, women are, are presented as being seductive or prostitutes, and watch out because they'll try and trap you and get you. And it, it may make us think, well, this is kind of hard on women, but men get a pass, which is not the case at all. Um, these, were, these were written to sons who were being groomed, and, um, but it, it, it applies to all. In fact, males are being warned about seductive women, yes, but that does not preclude that the shoe fits on the other foot, too. And, and that is that more often than not, men are sexual predators more even than women. So it, it applies to all. So if, there's, if they're talking and it sounds like, man, you, you, you're hard on the women, but not on the men. Not so. Not so at all. The men can um, need to hear this, um, in some cases, more than the women, but it applies to all of us. Even things like pornography that we think of as, that's kind of a guy thing. No, no, uh, there's a, 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 a high percentage of women who are also involved in that. So um, this applies to both, and this teaching is for all of us, married and unmarried, uh, preparing for marriage and being pure uh, before marriage. So we want to look at chapter 5 of all the different passages we have, and, and I encourage you uh, to look at chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, they all contain um, a, a concentrated amount of material on this topic. So it, uh, I, I've entitled Proverbs 5, The Danger of Illicit Sex. Over and over in the Proverbs, the, the, uh, the, uh, the father and the mother are instructing and warning and uh, helping their children to know how to live, to how to um, conduct themselves, how to have God's blessing on their life. Um, and uh, there's a warning to beware of solicitation to sexual immorality in the, um, in the first six verses of this. Uh, warning, beware. Um, there's going to be a solicitation to you in terms of sexual 
uh, activity. So they call the son passionately. Uh, they, they say, listen, my son, look at, I want to talk to you. Let's have the scripture up in the first six verses. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn, up, turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Listen, my son, I want to protect you. You know, I found that uh, in, in life, you can, you can learn two ways. You can learn by somebody who's wise, who instructs you in the way to go, or you, you can say, I'm going to kick over the traces. I don't care about all that stuff. I'm going to do my own thing and then mess up your life and, and wreck yourself and say, well, that was a stupid thing. And he says, I don't want you to go and make these bad errors of judgment. I want you to know up front, please pay attention, listen to me. That means obey, heed what I'm telling you to do. Um, he says, I want to protect you. I want, I, I want to keep you from messing up your life and your family. Listen, apply, gain wisdom. And then verse 3 says, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. He, he, here, is, here, here is saying, you know what? Um, you're going to be presented with some opportunities, and there's going to be some sweet-talking person that, that is gonna, it's just gonna, gonna resonate with you. Oh, you are, you are incredible. You are so good. You're, so, I'm interested. You're hot. You're, um, hey, want to get together? Why, why, don't, why don't we get? Come on over. Uh, let, let's, 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 let's get together. Uh, um, and, and so there's this temptation is going to come. And he says, listen, her, her, her lips, I mean, they drip honey. It's so sweet. Everything she says sounds so good. That solicitation. Dressed so seductively, promising this great time of pleasure and, and fulfillment and excitement. And you make me feel so special and you're, you are so incredible. You, you are so wonderful and, and I want you. So appealing and it promises so much. But in the end, he goes on to say, um, but in the end she's as bitter as gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She says she gives no thought to the way of her life. Her paths wander aimlessly, uh, but she does not know it. She, she isn't on a path of life. She's on a path to death. Oh, it, it, it may seem sweet what she's saying, that, that honey that drips from her lips, but when, when, you, when you taste it, you realize afterwards it's gall. Have you ever had something that tasted good at first and there was this terrible aftertaste? That's the kind of thing that he says. Oh, it's going to seem so good, but in reality, it's not going to be so good at all. Um, it, it may be that that person that's in your office who's taken note of you, who keeps telling you how special you are. And you maybe don't feel special at home. And you hear those words and, and oh, I just so appreciate it. You are so wonderful. Oh, your wife is so lucky to have a guy like you. Or, or may, you know, and, 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 and just, just chatting it up. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, you know, chatting online with somebody who's not your spouse. And it goes to more and more. And we should get together sometime. We should have lunch sometime. We should have this. And it's on a slippery slope. I know a guy. In fact, I was involved with his family. And I got a call from the wife at one point, And she said, my husband 
uh, I, I got on I got on his internet account on his email account and he's been talking with this woman every night every night and uh, there were business associates and uh, I went out and met with them and warned uh, that this is not right it's wrong and persisted just went underground a little more and a little more and it ended up um, in, not not heeding any of those warnings and actually um, had an affair with that person, left the family. Um, their daughter was being married. The two kids, they didn't, the kids wanted nothing to do with this guy. He's out, he's gone. We, he, we, have, we don't have a father anymore. It came to the wedding and I saw, while we were conducting the, the ceremony, I could see him sitting, he'd slipped in late in the very back so he could watch his daughter being married. And then he slipped out. And I thought, how terrible the hurt and the mistrust the financial distress the loss of his children all of that the loss of respect he thought it was living it was dying well he goes on and he says there's a warning against the results of succumbing to sexual sin in verses 7 to 14 and now instead of saying my son he says uh, sons, my sons, all my kids, now listen to me. Don't depart from the words, uh, from what I say. Keep a path far from her. That's that woman that, or that guy that may try and, and, and lure you in. Um, lest you're, um, don't, don't go, keep far from her. Don't go near the door of her house, lest you, lo- you lose your honor and others and, and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of the other. Another. At the end of your life, you'll groan when your flesh and body are spent. You'll say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I wouldn't obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. He said, it, it looked so good. I mean, everything was so, so exciting and, and so scary and so exhilarating. And, and, and my, my heart was just pumping because it was, it was wrong and we were doing something secret. And it sounded so good. But he says, you don't realize. You don't realize what's happened. It, it, it took your life away. It stole you. I told you about Ashley Madison. Life is short. Have an affair. Now, there was a man who put his story in the L.A. Times. This, this happened. Uh, this, uh, what, what happened was uh, Ashley Madison was hacked. Somebody got all of their data. And then they began to contact the people whose data they had. One poor dude... Uh, on July 15th, uh, when this uh, 2015, just three years ago, happened, um, they got the information on 32 million clients. They knew who they were, where they lived, what their sexual preferences were. They had all this stuff on. They had this all. And so there was, there was this guy, and his story was uh, put in the uh, Los Angeles Times. Um, he was... He was um, in a marriage, 19 years, took an early retirement, and he was feeling like, I just don't feel like there's a lot of excitement in my marriage. And, 
And so he got on here and got checking this out. And so he put his information on 10 days before the, before the hackers got it. And, and um, so here he was, and uh, he gets a phone call from somebody who says, um, we have information on you, and we're going to share that with your wife and family unless you give us $1,000 in Bitcoin. So something that can't be traced. And uh, he thought, what am I going to do? He's panicking. Now, he hadn't done anything. He'd just been on 10 days. He hadn't hooked up with anybody, but, but he, was, he was in the queue. And he thought, what, what am I going to do? And, and so what he did was he, um, uh, he paid the $1,000 and went to his wife and confessed what he'd done. And she was, she was so upset. Um, she, didn't, she needed time to think whether she was going to continue the marriage or not. He was, he was just uh, so frightened and so hurt and so broken. And, and um, he struggled to know what to do. He thought, my father and mother celebrated over 50 years together. My grandfather and my grandmother over 50 years together. My great-grandfather and great-grandmother over 50 years together. And here I am now at 19 years and I'm messing up my life and my family. After much thought, his wife decided that she would continue the marriage. But not everybody was that way. And when this information got out, uh, it, it caused divorces. It caused resignations. It caused firings. It caused suicides. People who thought, I can get away with something. This is okay. And when it happened, it didn't, it didn't provide the life that they thought of. It brought death. What a terrible, terrible uh, thing. Um, losing jobs, committing suicide. And, and we've seen recently in the, uh, the hashtag MeToo uh, movement, people now being called up for sexual indiscretions even years ago, people losing their jobs, um, people uh, on, for, for some sexual dalliance or, or because they have uh, been uh, abusive, sexually abusive with someone. Uh, and here they are. And now they're holed up, publicly disgraced, losing their jobs, losing, going to, going to in some cases, going to court, um, ha- having children with somebody else, paying alimony and child support. Ah, you hated discipline. You couldn't stand. You, you, you hated that. Don't do this. No, please, don't. You save yourself. No, they wouldn't listen. And how he ruined not only their lives, but the lives of others. So I suppose the question is, what do you do positively about this? Um, how do we deal with this positively? I want to suggest that what the, what the sage, what the wise man tells us is nurture your own marriage relationship. Nurture your own relationship. Sadly, we can take our marriages for granted, our spouses for granted. We can put little or no effort into our marriage. Oh, we may do training for work. We may do educational things. Uh, we may see a, a personal trainer. We may have somebody building into us to strengthen us physically, emotionally, mentally, all the rest. But what's the commitment we've made to our own marriages? To put a priority on them. To strengthen that. 
and, and to, to understand. And so in verses 15 to 20, here's what the, the wise man says. He says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your strings of water into the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Let's just pause there. So he, this is actually a very explicit statement about sexual activity outside of the marriage. Don't, don't, let, don't let this flow in the streets. No, drink water from your own sister. Stay at home. Enjoy the wife of your youth. Let's go on. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always and may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's life? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? He said, man, I didn't know that kind of stuff is in the Bible. I'd read the Bible more if I know. I'm um, the Bible is very explicit and... and um, and although it's, it's delicate and, and, and very carefully done, God is putting his stamp of approval on the marriage of relationship. And stay, he says, stay home and enjoy what I've provided for you. You see, um, uh, as, as a married person, God has given a gift of, of sex to be used in marriage, in an exclusive relationship, to be shared with one spouse alone. And, and you should never, as a married person, have someone who is closer to you than your spouse. Did you hear me? If, there, if, you, if you have a person of the opposite sex who's a better friend to you than your spouse is, you're making, you're making a grave error in setting yourself up. Uh, for problems. If, you're, if you uh, feel like you could talk to somebody who's not your wife more or your husband more than that, you're in trouble. There's something wrong with that. Uh, there's no person of the opposite sex that you should ever be with outside of somebody else with them. You need to protect your marriage, and you do that by nurturing your own relationship. Uh, shocked uh, sometimes to hear this kind of language. The Song of Solomon is a whole book that is devoted to romantic, physical, sexual love and that relationship. This, folks, this is in the Bible. And, and, I, and I don't want to sound like it's treated in a cheap way, but the Bible speaks very plainly about some of these things. Um, and, and the language. God says he, he wants to bless marriage. Now, I find this really interesting because in some church backgrounds the whole area of sexuality has been a taboo topic and it's been something that has been uh, treated as um, almost dirty or filthy or unmentionable and you don't get that from the bible that that's that's the thing and and so i think sometimes if we were raised in that way we raise our children in that way we don't warn them of the realities. We don't talk about those realities. and We don't tell them what God has for that. This, this kind of thing, this instruction, um, is important for us and to share with our children. And uh, he's given a gift to be used in a very exclusive relationship in which he binds together heart, soul, mind, and body to achieve a deep, deep intimacy with a couple. In fact, the Apostle Paul was so forward 
He said this in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 5 and 6. He's talking about marriage. And before this, he says, now look at um, the, the wife belongs to the husband, and the husband belongs to the wife. And he says about sexual relations, he said, do not deprive each other. He says, don't not have sex. Ah, why? Uh, um, don't deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time. So if you're not going to have, if you're a married couple and you're not going to have relations, it needs to be by mutual consent. And, and um, the other thing is, don't make that for a long time. Do it a short time to devote yourself to prayer or something, but then come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this is a, con- a concession, not a command. He's saying, this is something that you need to, it's a gift from God, you need to enjoy that. I, I tell you, here's something very interesting also in this. The, the pleasure of physical love was to be enjoyed. He doesn't talk here about, well, will you have sex to procreate? He says, no, there's, there's another component to that. And so that's God's gift for us. Um, and so um, enjoy it. Don't abuse it. It is exclusive. And finally, he says, beware God is watching you. Beware God is watching you. Uh, look at um, God sees and knows what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your actions, in your attitudes. He knows what you're thinking. You remember Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Uh, good for you. I'm going to tell you this. If a person looks lustfully at another individual, they've already committed adultery in their mind. He, he says, you've got to beware. God is watching you, and God sees what you're thinking, what you're doing, and how you're behaving. Um, all those lustful thoughts, God sees them, and that's sin in his eyes. We need to turn away from that. Ask the Me Too people about the public humiliation and the shame and the loss of jobs and respect and money and the court cases and all of that. You know, when, when, we, when we sin, there are consequences from our sin outside of God. There are natural consequences. In fact, if you read in 6 and 7, it says, Can a person take uh, live coals into their lap and not get burned? You know what we would say, can you play with fire and not get burned? No, you can't. There, there are some things. When you step out of God's will and God's way of doing things, um, you're in trouble. And you, and, and you can cause yourself all kinds of grief because when you violate God's will, it comes with his own consequences. But also, God is a judge, and he judges us. In 1 Thessalonians 4, that was read for us, in verses um, uh, 3 to 7, we have this. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that's set apart, made holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, but that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that is this matter, uh, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins, and we're told and we, uh, you, and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. God will judge 
sexual sin, as he will judge all sin. And so beware. You hurt yourself. Don't do that. Um, well, the, the question is that I want to leave us is this. By the way, this is interesting. In the Old Testament, they had some pretty rigorous laws. And there were laws with respect to sexuality. And uh, there, were cer- there were sexual offenses that, that could be uh, forgiven. But the sin of adultery was one that was a capital offense. God was serious about that. Uh, you can't sin blatantly and enjoy God's blessing. So just as we wrap up, how can we guard ourselves in this regard? How can we protect ourselves? Well, first off, I think we need to do this. Uh, we need to affirm a healthy and biblical view of sexuality and marriage. Um, See, the world has a view on sexuality, how it's to be used. It's one night stands. It's with whomever you want, whenever you want. Um, it, it's all of these kind of things. Um, it, it's, it's with same-sex partners. It's with you know, any, any kind of scenario. And, and, and those kind of things are all okay, in a sense. We need to have and understand a biblical um, worldview in terms of human sexuality and marriage. God created. God created, and when he created, he said it was good. It was purposeful. It was blessed by him. Marriage was blessed by Jesus. It was an expression of intimacy. It was an exclusive one-to-one ratio in a covenant, committed covenant marriage relationship that would last a lifetime. And it was the ground and the foundation that we're to teach our children. Um, Are you teaching your children properly? Are you teaching them from God's word? Are you helping them to understand biblically what is right and wrong? We need to start at that point. Secondly, I want to say invest in your marriage. Invest in your marriage. As we said before, you can improve in so many aspects of your life. The the question is, are are you doing things to improve your marriage? Uh, what are you putting into your marriage? What, what, what are you doing to, to get closer to your wife, to your husband? Uh, how are you seeking to strengthen that relationship? Well, we need to do that. Uh, one of the things that we'll be committed to as a church is to helping strengthen our families and our marriages. That's the bedrock of our society. Um, this fall, we're going to have, um, we're going to do like a one evening uh, seminar um, that uh, people will be invited to uh, sign up for. Um, they can take a, uh, um, a, an instrument and it will profile them and it'll profile their spouse. And we'll talk about how we work together, how we understand each other, how we're committed. I want to say to you, we'll do things that will help you to strengthen your marriage. Be committed to that. Thirdly, Know your weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Know your weaknesses. Do you really know what your weaknesses are? Um, you know, in 2 Corinthians, it said, we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing new. But are you zoned in? Do you know where you are weak? Um, and and, and what, how you can be uh, deceived, destroyed, tempted, drawn away? Do you recognize those vulnerabilities? Uh, do you recognize when you're getting too close to somebody who's not your spouse? 
Um, when you feel this tug or desire to be with a person that is not your spouse, um, do you recognize the danger signs? Um, do, you, do you recognize that if you're a teenage couple and mom and dad have gone and you're alone in a house late at night together and nobody else is there, do you realize the danger signs? Um, are, are, do you understand the weakness and the vulnerability? Um, fourthly, um, stay away from places of temptation. Stay away of places from temptation. Oh, I'm strong enough. I can handle that. I, could, I can go on that site. I can do this. I can go to this place. I'm, I'm strong. I can, I can do that. What, what the scripture says in Proverbs 5, 7, and 8. Um, do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Oh, I can do that. You know, you're tempted. I, you get a little close. I, how close can I get to the fire without getting burned? See, in, in, in young people, sometimes you say, how, how, much can I, how far can I go without, without getting burned? Be on the safe side. Stay away from, from uh, those kind of things. Don't go on the website. Avoid that person who's coming on to you um, and, and has feelings for you. Stay away. Stay away. But look, we can't stay away from everything because sometimes we're we're accosted by something. So the last one is flee temptation. Flee temptation. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we, we couldn't do. We didn't imagine would happen. Sometimes something popped up on our screen or, or something that bade us um, go somewhere. And, and there's just times when being vulnerable, how do you respond to that? Run for your life. Run for your life. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6 uh, and 18, it says this, Flee sexual immorality. Flee. Run from it. Protect yourself. Um, somebody who knew that was Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers into, um, into Egypt. He was in Potiphar's house. He was a trusted servant. Uh, he's a good-looking young man. He's probably at the time about early 20s, 20 or early 20s. A good-looking specimen, and, and uh, Potiphar's gone away, and his wife uh, lusted after Joseph. She said, come on, come on, go to bed with me. Come on, come on, come on. And he would not. He said, how can I do this? How, how can I do this in, uh, w- with my master who has entrusted everything in, in his house to me except for you? I, I can't do that. I can't. And she grabbed him by his cloak, and he ran out of his cloak and hightailed it out of there sometimes the only thing you can do is not try and pretend to be strong is to get out and get away as quickly as you can this is uh, this is this is a sin that has brought down the most powerful leaders in the world and there's great danger for all of us and, and there's great danger for our family and for the testimony of Christ and all the rest of it. One of my um, favorite authors um, was a man by the name of Gordon MacDonald. He wrote several very influential books. He was a, um, a Christian leader. He was in the Boston area. And um, uh, he had a moral fall. The interesting thing was, prior to this, he was asked by someone... Gordon, if Satan were to get you, how would he do it? And Gordon MacDonald paused for a moment and he thought, 
And he said, well, I don't know how he'd do it, but I'll tell you how he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it in the area of my marriage. And he ended up having an affair. And um, I heard Dr. James Dobson interviewing him in, uh, on, on, the, uh, 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 on the radio and talking about this whole thing and his way back and how men helped him and held him accountable and whatnot. And, and uh, he said, when he said about this account, he said this, a strength unguarded is a double weakness. A strength unguarded is a double weakness. I can tell you that Satan wants to destroy your life and the life of your family. He wants to mess you up and he wants to play with your head. He wants you to be addicted to this stuff. He wants you to, he wants you to, um, to have this kind of influence in your life because he wants you to fall. He wants to, to bring you down. And I want to say, we have to stand against that. And I want you to hear the wise men saying, my son, my daughter, listen to me. Heed what I'm saying. There's danger out there. Don't learn the hard way. Learn by trusting uh, the word of God. And I want to say to you, if you are struggling, if you're struggling with a sexual addiction, um, don't, don't keep hiding this. Get some help. Get out of that. Um, if, your cha- if your marriage is faltering and challenged, don't let it go until it dissolves. Get help. Um, do something about it. Strength, strengthen yourself. Listen to the wise man. And, and if, you are, um, if you have kids, teach and model for your kids what they need to know as they go in this way. God, we need his help to strengthen our marriages. And this is an area that the, that, that the, Pro, the writer of Proverbs has given so much attention to because it's so important and we are so vulnerable May God help us. Let's pray. Father, we need help and we need strength. Lord, I know that with a group this big, there are a number of people who are struggling with sexual sin. I I, I know there are people who are hooked on pornography. I know there are people who are finding sexual pleasure outside of what you have called for. Uh, Father, I know that there are people who uh, are unmarried and, and not remaining chaste and holy in their life. And some of them are, are struggling with that. And I pray, Father, you'll help them to name those things, to confess them, to get help where necessary. I pray for our marriages that, that, that sometimes we just let slide, that you would help us to strengthen those marriages And Father, I pray that you would protect our church, our leaders. We see leaders falling in the church. We see leaders in government and in in public service. Uh, We see everywhere people falling. Lord, protect us. None of us is beyond it. None of us is too good for it. But all of us could be vulnerable. And I pray that you'd help us to be honest with that. Father, protect and guard us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.